What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. What's up, everybody? We're back with another episode of Humans of MarTech. Today, we're talking about the Procrastinator's Guide to Google Analytics 4. As many of you know, Universal Analytics is sunsetting in July 2023, which is a date fast approaching even at the recording of this episode. Unfortunately, its replacement, Google Analytics 4, hasn't exactly got a warm reception for digital marketers, SEOs, analysts, and well, basically anyone who got used to Universal Analytics. It's a bit of a bitter pill to swallow. I'm going to confess that up until about late last year, I was pretty far behind the curve on Google Analytics 4. Like many marketers, I wanted to, you know, balance the day-to-day of what I'm doing with uh, the realities of the changing MarTech scene. I admit I've been procrastinating on learning GA4, but no more. I've spent the last few months going as deep as I can on GA4 and by extension, Google Tag Manager. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that GA4 is Google's gift to digital marketing. I think it's a pretty immature platform at this point, but I am going to tell you GA4 is getting a much worse rap than it deserves precisely because so many marketers have been deep in universal analytics for so long. Changing habits is always tough. And GA4 makes it more challenging because of a new interface, a completely different approach to web analytics, and completely different metrics. So, you know, no big deal. You can probably learn this in a Sunday afternoon, right? Yeah, that's going to be tough. Uh, So today I'm going to give you a procrastinator's guide to GA4. If you're expecting me to complain about, you know, uh, GA4, this episode isn't for you. We will mourn the loss a little bit, but honestly, we're going to make the most of the situation. GA4 isn't all that bad. It's going to be the tool, the standard tool moving forward. So let's let's think about how we can move forward practically. All right, JT, I'm definitely self-admitted, not a GA4 expert. I've uh, broken enough things in, in GA3 to be dangerous, but uh, it's it's great to be back behind the mic here. It feels uh, pretty rusty. Hopefully it doesn't come off too much to, to the listeners here, but we're starting off with a fun one for sure. Um, there's rightfully been a lot of noise since the release of GA4 in October 2020. Uh, maybe we can start there actually, like the, the decision that Google made. Like They basically said they're going to make the switch from UA to GA4 in order to provide users with uh, quote unquote, more advanced tracking for digital marketers. But aside from new features like uh, automated events, cross-device reporting, BigQuery supports, like one of the big ones that they uh, they love to chat about, there's a lot more behind the decision uh, to make the switch. So uh, maybe you can start there. Like why, why is Google <laughs> making the switch? Like what's the big deal behind that? Yeah, I think what prompted the switch to GA4 is really a a lawsuit over in the EU around privacy regulations where universal analytics data was used in in a lawsuit. So there's a lot of concerns about the way that Google Analytics stores data, uh, universal analytics is stored data. Uh, GA4 does some things behind the scenes to make more anonymous data. Uh, less user-centric data being provided to, to companies that are using, uh, using Universal Analytics or Google Analytics 4. I also think there's a few trends in, in digital marketing and overall web development that are at play here. Uh, Single-page applications have necessitated a rethink of the way the web analytics is done in the Google platforms. 
Um, obviously with a single page application, you're not looking at multiple different screens. So you need a way to, to measure the impact of what's happening on your site. Um, the end of third-party cookies, uh, this is going to have an impact as well on, on what data is available uh, in the systems. GA4 also provides some data deletion uh, functionality, which is useful for making sure that you're uh, adhering to the legal the, the legalities of various countries when you're, when you're marketing there, um, as well as a more of an event-based uh, measurement model. So there is, you know, when Google Analytics 4 came out, it was originally known as Web and App which I think it helped to solve a very common problem around cross-device, cross-platform tracking. Um, but it's also introduced, which we'll talk about more as this event-based model. Yeah, event-based, single-page application, and like the the world of cookies, I feel like is is changing more and more. But like the the dates that I feel like people need to to know about, like we're we're kind of up really close here. And it feels like J4 hasn't been around that long, but like we're recording this on January 11th, 2023 and uh, J4 rolled out on October 14th, 2020. This is the date that Google officially announced J4 began rolling it out to users and not everyone had access to it uh, on that date. But um, on the topic of dates, like what, what are the dates that marketers should be aware of when it comes to like, like what's the date that we're going to be forced to switch from universal analytics because at some point Google is, is sunsetting it, right? Yeah. Mark it on your calendars, July 1st, 2023. Uh, say goodbye to universal analytics. It'll stop collecting data. I believe six months later, uh, uh, you won't be able to access your data. So these, this is a really important date for, for marketers right now. And this is why like we, we need to stop procrastinating because there's a couple of things that are important. One is, is that we need the historical data. GA4 is a little bit different in terms of the way it retains data. So you want to start your data profile as soon as possible. The other one that we need to start addressing today is the continuity of reporting. I'm working with a number of folks who are trying to figure out how do you map your universal analytics data, like 12 years of you know data uh, into, into something that's continuous reporting profile, which is a big headache for a lot of people. So, you know, don't avoid that headache, just get right into it now. Uh, it's an important time to, to do that transition. Um, and then the other component is just making sure that you, you've got that internal training and the expectation. Like, I don't know how many execs and directors that I've worked with who use GA directly. And I mean, universal analytics directly to do the reporting. I'm going to tell you now, if you go into GA4 after looking at a U universal analytics report, it does feel very different. The interface mm -hmm. is different, but the actual underlying metrics themselves are defined differently. So mm -hmm. like you won't even get an apples to apples comparison half the time. It's more like apples to giraffes sometimes. And you're wondering if you're in the zoo or not. And yeah, it's, it's a bit of a wild west out there, but candidly, I think starting, if you don't have your GA4 instance set up, get a setup today. So you have tracking from you know, whenever, whenever this episode launches until, uh, UA is deprecated. Yeah. It's really good advice. And like you mentioned the, the execs on the team that like try to take a look at stuff like it, it, not just them though. Right. Like the, the entry level marketers that are used to just like relying on GA, like going as far back as their website creation date for, mm -hmm. for historic data. 
we're talking about like storing some of that stuff in Excel, like from a basic level, but like starting to learn about BigQuery and like a lot of these entry level marketers didn't have to worry about APIs to connect that data to and then yeah. throw it anywhere. Like it, it sounds like it's time to put down that Netflix remote for a lot of us coming back from vacation here grab a cup of coffee and, and dive into the exciting world of, of GA4. So like, it, it feels like a big hurdle, right? Like we don't want to scare folks. Like I think probably uh, a lot of the folks listening have at least like taken a, a peek at it. And and if they haven't, uh, this is a nice kind of uh, push in the butt to, to give it a try. But JT, how, how can marketers start to learn GA4? Like what's your advice on, on where to start? Yeah. And like, I don't want to say that they're completely different platforms in the, in the, the way that they work, like both fundamentally monitor the performance of your website and provide you with that information. But GA4 is a little bit of a different, uh, different beast, right? So right off the hop, there's, there's a difference in the way that the data model works. And what I think is important at the outset of your approach of learning is to recognize that GA4 in a lot of ways works like a product analytics tool. Like the events that are coming in are, uh, you know, absolutely integral to understanding what's happening on the website. And honestly, in the UI, you don't necessarily always feel that difference of the way the event model works, but it definitely has an impact on the way things are are measuring. So in terms of learning the tool itself, like getting in there and replicating your reports, looking at like a side-by-side of universal analytics reports versus GA4, to me, I learn by doing. So constantly, you know, evaluating what am I seeing on one side? What am I seeing on the other? And why is there a difference? Because there will be differences. For instance, the way the metric or the, the user metric is calculated on both systems is, is actually somewhat different. And some of the reports use a different definition of metric of user that you would expect. So definitely, definitely a challenge there on, on learning it. I also think like coming at it from more of an implementation perspective, which is a perspective I have is getting deeper into Google Tag Manager. Uh, and not that you wouldn't need to Tag Manager to get a really advanced universal analytics implementation set up, but I think understanding it at that level is really important. For instance, GA4 allows you to push in uh, more event parameters, uh, which then can be ingested in GA4 as custom dimensions. So that gives you like actually a ton more data that's possible off of an event, whereas UA would be based on event category, event action, event label. So you're kind of stuck with with a really fixed model where now we can push any custom dimension that we want in from from Google Tag Manager. So I think, you know, honestly, like I always say this, but getting in and building your own website or if you have your own personal website, like start there rather than maybe starting with your corporate website, Um, but certainly installing it and getting it started and starting to do the comparison reports. It'll give you the, the, the starting point. So these, like all these new features are, are obviously pretty powerful, at least GA or, or Google likes to say that that they are, and um, they're supposed to help you better understand and optimize your, your digital marketing efforts, right? So like you're giving the advice to folks to just install it, play around with it, check out those new features, like get a taste for them yourself. Uh, I also just like to just break stuff in new tools is the best way to kind of like learn things. Mm-hmm. Um, the data history and the, and the collection is a different uh, beast when it comes to these two tools. 
but like, what are some of the new features that maybe stand out to you that uh, excite you the most compared to UA versus GA4? Yeah. So behind the scenes, I feel like GA4 does some things that are better out of the box than UA. Like I think uh, data deletion requests is a really powerful feature for privacy-minded uh, organizations. Um, I think the event-based approach makes a lot of sense. It's hard to explain and to, to help people understand that difference, but I think that that difference actually makes it is a smart difference in terms of the way the data is collected. Um, machine learning is we've, has been woven into Google Analytics 4 in a way that it has never been woven into universal analytics. So there's a lot of insights and a lot of data pending that can happen behind the scenes to make your data more accurate. Um, there's some fixes to things that should have been fixed in universal analytics a long time ago. Like for instance, you know, goal conversions, you can uh, convert only once on a single goal in universal analytics where you can have multiple goal, goal conversions in a session in, in GA4. So I think those are all like nice improvements over the old, the old system. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's a lot missing as well that it feels like it feels like an immature platform. The out of the box reports just don't seem to have as much depth to them as what you would expect out of the universal analytics platform. It's harder to find things in the user interface. It's an immature platform that Google is going to obviously invest in and, and hopefully invest in more this year and to get that improvement. I also think like GA4 comes with enhanced measurement and automatically collected events, which is really good for businesses that don't have Google Tag Manager in the background and just have a really basic website, they need to do some event tracking. Like it really mm -hmm. starts you off on this event-based model by having these out of the box events. It's worth saying that all these events in the enhanced measurement need to be validated that they actually work on your site. You know, I found right. form interactions don't always work and those types of things. But by and large, I think there's a, there's a nice suite of tools for people. I think if this was your first web analytics tool and you never touched universal analytics, you'd be relatively satisfied with the information you get back. So you mentioned like GTM, like there's a bunch of events kind of out of the box without too much setup up front, but we can't still say today that like gone are the days of needing to manually set up event tracking codes for specific, specific things like we needed to do in GTM, right? Like that's not really accurate yet. Definitely not accurate. If anything, I feel like, I feel like I would want to engage a little bit more with my development team. Um, mm -hmm to get these things set up, particularly on pushing things to the data layer to be able to ingest them using custom parameters. Like there are some really interesting options and opportunities here when you are working with the tag manager uh, and you're working with your web development team to push data on the website. So yeah, like this is not easy, making it easier for people to, to make an advanced deployment. Yeah, fair enough. One one thing, and I, I don't know how much you know about like the behind the scenes on this one, but like something that I hear a lot in in my circle is like folks mention uh, about GA4 is this improved cross device reporting mechanism behind the scenes. I don't know how much you've dived into that. Like, how is Google even associating traffic from multiple devices to unique users? That's something that like it, it almost feels like the holy grail of like multi-touch attribution, right? Like, yeah. it's why a lot of people discount this idea of attribution because mm -hmm. if someone's using their phone, they're doing a Google search and then they go on their laptop, 
how are you associating those two devices to the same user to the same attribution model like have you dived yeah. into that piece of it yet so like the, there's two there's two crosses to think about like the cross platform or cross domain like so moving from one subdomain to the main domain and back again like that's that's definitely more accurate and easier to track in in google analytics for than it is it was in universal analytics nice um, for a whole whole host of reasons in terms of cross device there are options on cross device that that work. I'm not I'm not super deep into this aspect yet, but like there, for instance, we can implement the user ID feature in Google Analytics for, so that helps you you know track named users across multiple devices. Um, yeah, so that's about as far as I've gotten on that side. I'm more of a Redshift guy these days than than BigQuery, but I've gotten my my a chance to kind of like get get nasty and, and break some stuff in BigQuery in the past. But I feel like the switch to GA4 is also pushing many marketers to adopt BigQuery. Mm -hmm. uh, it includes this like native support for BigQuery integration. Uh, we talked a lot about this like idea of history and like it's not natively there in GA4, but here's a solution for it. We have a native integration to this other tool that we have that you can purchase uh, an extra license for. And it's free in, in some capacities, mm -hmm. um, but it allows you to connect your GA4 data and and a bunch of other sources as well. Um, how are you feeling about that kind of switch? And um, like I, we had a full episode a season ago on like um, data models and uh, and BigQuery versus Redshift and data warehouses for marketers and not being as scary as it was uh, like uh, several years ago. But do you see that as being kind of a shift and, and having like a, a much larger number of marketers getting and breaking things inside BigQuery? Yeah, it's a, it's a really convenient that Google owns a whole product <laughs> suite that has an automatic linking between products. Like there is no doubt in my mind that the the product linkage between BigQuery, Looker Studio and so on is part of the native benefits of being on a Google platform. It's like you're going to benefit from from using these products whether or not you want to use these products or not is a is a separate question. Um, but the data is definitely tool to go in there and to be queried and to be used in, in reporting. And it's very good data and it's robust data uh, that you're pulling in. So, you know, at the end of the day, I've, I've actually tested a few different like BI tools and reporting tools to see what's happening on the API end of things. And what I've noticed is that data coming from Looker Studio or BigQuery tends to be very, very accurate, like matches up against everything you'd expect. The other platforms that I've tested, like BI and dashboard vendors that I played with, not so much. So there's some API uh, weirdness that I haven't dug too deep into uh, that, is, that is definitely causing a little bit of reporting headache, disparity in numbers and stuff like that, you know, time zone issues that are affecting queries and stuff like that. So yeah, so the reporting aspect of it is, is one part of it. You know, you hit upon something which I think is part of a broader trend, uh, which I'll comment on, which is marketers you know uh when we did were working with clipfolio many years ago the way to organize your data and bring all your data together was to use a central bi tool push the data in you know clipfolio did extremely well on the api side of things because it was one of the best ways to get data into a centralized single source of truth that's changed a lot right yeah. um we have all of these data warehouses uh that we're pushing data into and performing joins on and we have single sources of truth that are managed by IT or operations teams. So I think this is all part of a broader trend anyways, where you'll see 
you know, API driven analytics become more of a APIs driving data into a data warehouse and then extracting your reports out of that. So I think it's part of a broader trend. Um, it's forcing marketers like myself to get into BigQuery and learn BigQuery a little bit. Uh, I don't think it's inherently a bad thing, uh, but it's mm -hmm. definitely the trend of where things are going. And it's definitely, there's a, an eyebrow raise around the convenience factor that, uh, every, you know, Google provides everything that you need out of the box. Yeah, definitely not a bad skill to have uh, on your tool belt as a marketer, some BigQuery experience there. So yeah, like we talked about BigQuery, the GTM stuff, like cookies. Um, I, I'd love to, like, I feel like we covered a lot already, but like, um, what, what do you like the most about GA4 so far? Like a lot of people are crapping on it all over social and just not excited about the, the sun setting of UA, but like, what do you like the most in terms of like, maybe features like is it the conversion probability report that they're rolling out the customer lifetime value report is it just the new ui and design that you kind of prefer like what what does john like the most about ga4 trying really hard not to laugh um so it might feel like putting lipstick on a pig so i'm going to be radically optimistic and <laughs> happy about the situation I, i'm not totally happy about about the switch myself but you know in terms of coping or being obstinately positive about it first and foremost change the name of, of the game in martech like tell me that you have never been forced off of one platform to another platform and have to do that like this is just what we do in a on a day-to-day -day basis ga4 is no different i love the events and how customizable they are i've had some really cool conversations with folks around stuff that we can push on the events having events, uh, event-based scope front custom dimensions allows us to do some deep reporting on things that are happening on page. User scoped events can allow me to start categorizing users, you know, at a programmatic in a programmatic way, which I think is super cool. Having lots of parameters that I can pipe in uh, to GA4 and custom parameters and not being stuck on the old, you know, three three pattern uh with with the action label and category that we had in in the previous world like i'm finding the events really really enjoyable and, and interesting to set up conversions are more accurate like i can trust my conversion data a bit better than i could in in ua uh machine learning i haven't experienced a ton of like benefit from the machine learning algorithms that are chugging away in your account but i expect that's just going to continue to improve over time i do notice insights in some of the clients that i work with that are honestly, pretty good um, insights. Some of them are pretty blanket insights, like, you know, organic search is your best traffic source. Well, yeah, I can <laughs> look at the report and find that out myself. Um, there's also some tie-ins with other platforms like Google Signals that allow you to get anonymous, like a little bit of anonymized data about users who are coming into your site to append the append data. So there are some good things about, about GA4 and it's going to be the, the way forward. I think the event-based model is actually super important to wrap our heads around a little bit um, in terms of the benefits it can provide to, to end users like us in terms of the reporting. But uh, honestly, like very few people are gonna think deeply about, should I be a session-based or event-based analytics? Like it's, it's not really a, a high level conversation most people wanna have, but there are benefits to that as well. Nice. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of cool stuff that promises ML insights in the form of like predicting the likelihood that a user is to convert on your site. They're not the first platform to, to kind of promise this stuff, right? Like Amplitude, Mixpanel, a lot of the event-based uh, products that were around 
uh, before GA4 promised a lot of that stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Similarly to GA4, like the prediction model is this kind of black box, obviously proprietary and like not open for marketers to kind of jump in and dissect and decide like how valuable it is. Like it's up to you to kind of like take those insights, compare like over time, whether like the people that, you know, GA4 says are likely to convert, like those numbers are matching up with reality in a couple of months or however long your sales cycle is. But um, yeah, there's a lot of features that are still kind of uh, remain to be seen how how useful they are, but there's a lot for folks to to learn, right? Like this is the, the procrastinator's guide here. So, um, you know, we, we mentioned like just installing it and, and breaking things. There's probably a lot of courses that people can dive into. We're obviously not the first podcast to talk about GA4 has a lot of blog posts detailing the changes mm-hmm. and how to get ramped up and stuff like that. But like, what else is there for folks to, to kind of get ready for, for the change? Is it, is it time to panic for, for folks that are like starting 2023 and they haven't like even open GA for you? Uh, how do we prepare for the inevitable? Like, is it time to panic? Absolutely. It's always time to panic in my world. <laughs> uh, the more panic, the better. And especially when it comes to your reporting, I think surfacing the, that panic up to the sea level is a really good career move. Obviously, I'm being sarcastic. Look, the number one thing that I'm going to tell everybody to do to get prepared for this is to start reporting on GA4 numbers like yesterday. Make it your default report, even if it's painful. Uh, do side by side so that you can start to explain differences. You're going to have to coach teams, members of your team. Uh, you know, senior execs and, and leaders as well on what they're seeing in GA4. There can be radical differences in numbers. And I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, exaggerating when I say that. Like I've seen some very radically different numbers based on just the way the GA4 and Universal Analytics collects user data, right? Um, mm-hmm. So getting people conditioned to seeing the quote unquote new normal uh, really, really important. Getting people aligned on what those metrics and definitions look like, very, very important. Honestly, I think one of the recommendations I'll have out of the gate for most people is to set up a third-party reporting tool, whether you're going the BigQuery route and then you know sending that data to your BI platform using Looker Studio uh, to get some reports. Because candidly, I don't think you're going to want to have people in Google Analytics the same way you might have had people in before. Uh, I really do feel like GA4 is a great data collection tool. Uh, but the data reporting and visualization stuff leaves a little bit to be desired, particularly for folks who aren't deep into this themselves. Uh, so, so I think simplifying things that way would, would be a huge one. Nice, man. I, I feel like we've, we've covered a lot of stuff here. We can probably spend a full episode talking about like, how can we prepare marketers to talk about explaining the difference between uh, some of the numbers they mm-hmm. see in UA versus uh, GA4, like probably one of the worst feelings ever, like using one tool and covering a big win, like showcasing that to everyone, sharing it in Slack, and then comparing that with other platforms and not seeing the same results everywhere else. Yeah, There's a lot of ways that, that folks can kind of prepare for this issue, but maybe we can save that for... Uh, for a follow-up episode, I know you've got a, a, a lineup of, of potential uh, other topics we want to cover around uh, GA4 stuff there. But uh, anything uh, anything else you want to add before uh, we, we conclude this one? Well, there's a ton to cover. I feel like I've barely touched the surface of, of the topic. What I, I mean, because we're a podcast about marketing technology, I think it's really important for us to center ourselves here and say and accept change and be embracing of it, even though if you have to be a bit tongue in cheek about it, I think that 
whenever there's a, a shift in technologies, there's also an opportunity for folks like you who are listening to this podcast or like Phil and I to, to become experts in that platform, to accept it. You know, we can, often procrastination is rooted in a desire not to do something or because we're afraid of it or we're uncertain about the outcomes, not necessarily because we're inherently lazy people. I don't think that's why we procrastinate. Uh, so in marketing and digital marketing, like get rid of your procrastination, embrace change, and then it'll be a little bit easier to focus on, on getting the, the result out of these systems that we want. I love it. You heard it here first, folks. GA4 is here and there's nothing you can do to hold on to universal analytics. Changing habits is tough and GA4 makes it more challenging because of the new interface, not to mention a completely different approach to web analytics, event-based tracking like we talked a lot about. So you should move on to making the most of this situation and start playing around with it break things, get uh, get into it, install it. Um, maybe you'll agree with JT and find that GA4 is uh, pretty slick in a lot of cases, um, but maybe you'll still miss UA. Uh, and I think if it weren't for the contrast to uh, its predecessor, uh, many folks would be pretty happy with GA4. Like think of the folks like graduating university right now, like they've never touched UA, like here's GA4. So that's kind of a cool lens to, to think about it there. But uh, yeah, hopefully we touch on some uh, deeper dives into GA4 in the future as uh, we kind of approach this big deadline here. But uh, yeah, it's great to be behind the mic again, JT. We'll uh, chat with everyone very soon. Yeah, see you guys.